0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI Podcast episode, I talk with Len Hurstein about battling complacency as a leader. Len Hurstein, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited to have a nice conversation today. We're going to be focusing our conversation on battling complacency as a leader. Now, we're going to come from this both from the angle of a leader. So me trying to grow and develop myself, how do I get past this tendency towards complacency mm-hmm. um, so that I can strive for my to, for excellence and to be my best self? But also, how do I Uh, model, you know, battling complacency for my team? And how do I help them battle complacency so that everyone on my team, everyone in the workplace can strive to fulfill their potential and to be their best selves? Uh, So that's what we're going to be exploring today. As we get started, I wanted to share Len's bio with everybody. Len Hurstein has over 30 years of experience in business and brand marketing. Prior to founding his marketing and events company, Len innovated, managed, and grew brands for major consumer packaged good marketers, including Coca-Cola, the Campbell Soup Company, and Nabisco. Since 2015, Len has served as reserve deputy sheriff in Douglas County, Colorado. In his book, Be Vigilant, Len combines all of his experience to provide a detailed roadmap for individuals and organizations to stop complacency, improve performance, and safeguard the success they've worked so hard to achieve. I love that background.
1: Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your personal context before we dive on in? No, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've been in their, in their shoes. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've worked on brands. I've worked in businesses. I'm an entrepreneur. And so I've seen things from a lot of different angles. And um, I'm just eager to share. Yeah, that's wonderful. Let's talk a
0: little bit about complacency, you know, from a definitional standpoint. What, what exactly is complacency? complacency? And why is it even a problem or an issue in the first place? I mean, is, is it not just human nature that we all tend to procrastinate a bit? We all tend to kind of get comfortable and we all tend to get complacent. If, if that's human
1: nature, why does it matter? Well, yeah, great question. Great question. I mean, I think the first thing is most people have a misunderstanding of what complacency is. Um, complacent is a word that has become kind of a throwaway word in society. We use it all the time, especially nowadays, we'll see it. After we have this conversation, you'll hear it pop up, you'll see it on the news, someone will use it in a conversation. But usually it's it's used in the context of like, hey, let's not get complacent, or we're getting complacent. They throw it out there, but nobody ever talks about what it means, or what you do about it. And so when most people think about complacency, if you're if you're forced to put someone on the spot, they're gonna come back and say, well, complacency is laziness. But complacency is not really laziness. Complacency, the way I define it, is an overconfidence, a self-satisfaction, even, even sometimes a smugness that comes along with past success that makes us unaware of potential dangers or threats. And you know, the, the main difference is there, like laziness requires forethought. Laziness. In order to be lazy, you have to have the ability to do something and decide not to do it because you don't want to put in the effort. That's laziness. You've made that decision. None of us ever really decide to be complacent. Like you said, it is kind of human nature. Our nature is to want to get back to some level of stasis. You know, we want to be comfortable. There's nothing wrong with that. We want to be comfortable. The problem is the more comfortable we become, the more overconfident we become, the more vulnerable we become to the threats that are out there. And and that's where complacency can be so dangerous. And the insidious thing about complacency is the more success we enjoy, the more vulnerable we are to it. Okay. Which means the more we have to lose because we've had success and it's true in life. It's true in business. Um, and so, you know, the next logical step is, well, what's the opposite of, complacency? Is it paranoia? Do I have to be looking over my shoulder all the time? Like that doesn't sound like any fun to me, but the reality is the opposite of complacency is not paranoia. It's vigilance. And the difference is paranoia is based in fear and vigilance is based in awareness. And so what this is all about is just about being able to understand that our human need is to be complacent. And how do we fight that with vigilance or awareness so that we remain present, that we remain um, intentional in everything that we're doing. Yeah, I really like
0: that. And again, if we're all striving for continual development and growth, then it argues you know, against complacency. Uh, it, it, it suggests that we we don't allow ourselves to get too comfortable, that we're constantly challenging our assumptions, constantly challenging the way we understand things, constantly trying to learn. And, and th- through that, you know, we, we can become better. And as leaders, we can become better as fathers, husbands, we can become better, you know, in any role, any capacity, we can become better over time. Um, I think it will also be helpful to talk about perhaps the difference between complacency and contentment. Because I think that's something I hear people talk about sometimes. It's, I think it's a really good thing for people to be mindful and to be present and to be content with, mm-hmm. with what they have, where they're at.
1: How is that different than complacency? Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's where we get into this, like, this isn't about paranoia, right? This isn't this, 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 Fighting complacency does not mean that you can't be content in life. So I was on a podcast a few days ago where, you know, the question was, you know why can't we all be like elon musk or why can't we all be like jeff bezos and why aren't we all as successful as them and, and is it because we're complacent and they're not right that was the question and the reality is you know success for all of us is different you know success you know to to achieve that level of success you have to give up a lot of other things that you may not be comfortable giving up i know i'm not i enjoy spending time with my family and doing things and and relaxing, and and all those things. So I've never, you know, I'm content at a certain level of success. But whatever level of success that you are content with, it's always potentially at risk. Because if you become, there's a difference between being content and being overconfident. And when you're when you become overconfident in your relationships, in your business, and whatever you're doing, you know, this all came from my experience, you mentioned it in my bio, about seven years ago, I became a reserve sheriff's deputy, which means that I am a certified peace officer. I go out, I patrol, I do everything a real deputy does. I just do it for free. And I go out there and when the first thing I had to do is I had to go through an academy. And from the first day in the academy, the first thing that they taught us is this idea that complacency kills and complacency kills in law enforcement. But I was coming at it as a 45-year-old at the time with you know 25-plus years in business thinking to myself, wow, you know what? Complacency doesn't just kill here. It kills businesses. It kills brands. It kills professional and personal relationships. I started thinking about people that I know who have had failed relationships or divorces and how they used to be, you know, so strong in their relationship and then things, you know, faded away. And a lot of that can be tied back to complacency. So it's okay to be content. You don't have to be always striving for something more, but you also want to protect what you have. yeah, i think I think that's well said. and uh, that's a great way of
0: framing it. Um, and and I like getting away from this idea of having to be paranoid all the time and looking over our shoulders. Like we don't have to we don't have to be so nervous about every moment of every day um, that 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 will be overwhelming. Uh, and i and I think back, oh man, this was, this was maybe 15 years ago for me. And I was super busy at the time, you know, young family, I was going through my doctoral program, I'm working a bunch of jobs to pay the rent. And, and uh, it was just a very busy time. And because of that, I didn't have a lot of time to just relax. I didn't have a lot of time to just be present. And, and because of that, oh, and I, so I wasn't complacent. Certainly I was like hyper um, moving constantly. Yeah. to to the point where it was unhealthy. And, and I got to the point where I actually, if I ever had like five minutes to myself or, you know, 10 minutes or half an hour, I felt so uneasy and I felt paranoid Mm. and I felt like I, I'm supposed to be doing something else. I'm supposed to be, you know, and, and that's not what this is about at all. Like we can, we can strike a balance. Um, And for that stage in my life, it served me. I had so many things on my plate. I had to just kind of get through it. And since then, I've been able to take a step back and to recalibrate and like, you know, actually spend time on hobbies and, 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 and to relax. And, and all those things are equally important. You have to practice self-care. You have to, um, you know, really make sure that you're meeting all of your needs, you know, from social, emotional, relational, uh, you know, psychological, physical, everything, right. It, all of those things are important And we don't want to be complacent in any of those areas. Uh, And that can seem overwhelming. But the whole point is that this isn't meant to be overwhelming. It's just the whole point of this conversation is that we just need to be doing something, a little something on a regular basis so that we don't get stagnant, so that we can progress. And that doesn't mean we have to progress all at once. We don't have to progress today or this week. We have to just over time be able to make um, good movement. And, and that can take off the pressure, I think a little bit so that people aren't so stressed or having anxiety around what, how they're spending every minute of every day. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital. Exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Bluer than Indigo Leadership. The journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems.
1: What the book is about really is it's about providing vigilant strategies that you can employ uh, in your business and in your life that take that stress out of it. Because what this is all about is it's all about institutionalizing your vigilance so that you don't always have to be nervous and, and whatever, because it's built into your systems. There are things that we can be doing every day that are vigilant things vigilant strategies that if we build them into our processes, they take a lot of the pressure off, right? I talk about things like threat awareness. How do you build, you know, threat awareness into your business? Um, Because the last, you know, the the worst time to figure out what you're going to do in a crisis is when you're in a crisis. You know, you talk about pressure and, and, you know, and fear that, if you leave everything and then you, you have this crisis and now you gotta figure it out. So, you know, threat awareness is all about how do we build the capabilities to gain awareness of, of everything that's out there, to make sure that we're keeping an eye, that we don't get what I call the roadrunner effect. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Roadrunner, you know. I don't know, I'm older than you for sure. So I don't know, you know, beep beep, right? The uh, roadrunner and, and is always fighting, you know, uh, or you know, always has Wiley Coyote and Wiley Coyote got so focused on the Roadrunner. Um, all the dangers that came to Wiley Coyote never came from the roadrunner, always came from somewhere else, something else. That, that he didn't see. And that's what happens to us in business. If, if you can right now rattle off you know, your top two or top three competitors and what your plans are against them, my argument would be you might have a little bit of tunnel vision. You might not be seeing who your other potential competitors, where your other potential competition is coming from. If you're in the solar industry, did you see that Tesla was going to upend your industry? Did you see that coming, or were you focused on all the other folks who are going door to door and working flea markets and and, all, and doing cold calls? Did you see them as your competition, right? And so that's that's you know one thing that I talk about in a book is threat awareness. There's nine other things that I talk about that are all built around how do we build this into our systems so that there isn't that pressure that you're talking about.
0: We've laid out the importance of this and really why this is relevant to everybody. So how do, how do I start to get past perhaps my own tendency towards complacency or just, you know, whether, whether I am framing it in my own mind as contentment or comfort mm-hmm. or I just need a break or, you know, whatever. And, and certainly we all have different phases of our life. And sometimes we do just need a break. Sometimes we do just need to pause and that's yeah. fine. But, but uh, you know, if, if that's kind of how I'm thinking and I'm perhaps falling into potentially falling into the trap of complacency, how do I start to get out of it myself? Yeah. Um Let's talk about that first, and then from a leadership perspective, uh, how do I make sure that as a leader, I'm constantly trying to develop myself to be a better leader, so then I can actually help my people with this very same issue, so that they're not being complacent, so that they can yes. also grow into their potential.
1: Yeah. So i'll I'll give you I'll give you two things. One is going to I'm going to give I'm going to answer both those questions. Okay. So the first thing that that you can start doing, and again, this is one of the chapters in Be Vigilant. The first thing that you can start doing right now, whether it's at work or at home, this is applicable to both, is to do debriefs, okay? So we talk a lot about, we do a lot of debriefing in law enforcement and it happens in military and there are things that we do about it that makes it different than, than what most people do. A lot of people will, you know, if you ask them, hey, do you do debriefing in your organization right now? They'll say yes. But really, if you dig deeper, what it means is that they debrief things that go wrong, They do, you know, they do, you know, ad nauseum analysis of things that didn't turn out the way they wanted to turn out. And a lot of times what it turns into is a little bit of a witch hunt, like whose fault was it? Who messed up? And how do we make sure that everybody else knows it wasn't me? It was them, right? So the problem with the way most organizations do debriefs is that they do it based on the outcome. They do it focusing on things that went wrong, things that go well, we kind of pat ourselves on the back and we move on. But that's where complacency comes in, because there is so much to be learned from things that go right. So things could have gone right, but they maybe have could have gone right if we had done different things. Maybe we had little micro failures that held us back, but we succeeded because our competition, you know, had more failures than we did, or we got lucky, or for whatever reason. So one of the things that you can start doing right now again, at the office or at home, is to build in debriefs. Make sure everybody on your team or your family know that we are going to do debriefs of major things, regardless of how they turn out, right? So it's not only, you know, when your kids get a a C on their test, it's when they get A's on their test too. We're going to talk about what went right, what went right by accident, all those things. By making it institutionalized, by making sure that everybody knows going into their activities that there's going to be a debrief on the back end, number one, that makes them more aware in the moment, which automatically fights complacency because they know they're going to be asked questions later. They know they're going to have to talk about it. But number two, it allows us to gain insight regardless of what the outcome was. So here in Denver, I tell people to be uh, Peyton Manning. Uh, You know, the rest of the world, I tell them to be Tom Brady. People typically know that um, but you know both those guys are notorious for regardless of whether they win by win by 30 points or lost the next day even that night they're going through film tape they're talking about plays they're talking about how could we have gotten you know that play we got 20 yards how could we have gotten 25 yards right So it's about questioning everything even when everything goes right and there's things that make a good debrief one of them is leaving titles at the door making sure that everybody gets a say. And it doesn't matter whether you're the CEO or the the person who's the first day on the job. You know, there's a lot of other things that go into a successful debrief. But number one is just doing them. So that's something that you can do today. And people say, well, what's a debrief at home? I don't understand that. A debrief at home could be a family dinner, right? A family breakfast, uh, a time that we get together and go for a walk, right? And by having those times and we talk about things, we can expose what some of our dangers might be coming up. We can get a feel for what might be the threats that are that are out there that we may not have noticed because things seem like they were going right. Question everything, even when everything goes right. So that's something that you can start doing right now. The second part of your question is, how can we help our employees or our organization, um, you know, remain vigilant and not get complacent? And so there's a couple of things that, that I talk about there. Number one is make sure you have a purpose. Make sure, you know, everybody likes to have a mission statement and a vision statement. To me, the most important thing is a purpose statement. Why do you exist? Why are you here beyond making money as an organization? Something that can guide every person within that organization in terms of making decisions. We do this or we don't do that based on our purpose. And when everybody understands that, they can do what I call articulate the why. You want to be able to articulate the why. We have to do it in law enforcement all the time. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? Why do we pull that person over? Why are we talking to that person? Why do we ask that question? All those things, everything we do, we have to be able to articulate why are we doing that or else you know we're in danger of abusing our authority, right? So we have to be doing that. You have to do that in business too because you're, you have the same danger, right? If you accumulate power and then you use that power you know, without being able to articulate your why against your employees, against your vendors, against your customers, against your partners, whatever they are, when your why becomes because I said so, or because I can, you're getting complacent. So number one, have a purpose. Number two is make sure that everybody is being held accountable and that we have transparency. By making sure that we have transparency and everybody knows that all the information is going to be shared, it requires you to remain vigilant. You can't slip into, you know, this, this complacency because you know that people are going to see what's happening. You can't hide anything. You know, this is something that we've learned in law enforcement. Like, I love body cameras. Love my body camera. I think it's the best thing in the world. And I think everybody has to have one. And when people don't, people question why, right? And the, and the assumption is something wrong is going on. So make sure everybody's accountable and transparent. And then the third thing that you can do with your employees is give autonomy and discretion. You know, we're going through something right now we're calling the Great Resignation and people are talking about it as if it is a COVID thing. This was not a COVID thing. COVID may have brought it to a head and highlighted it, but this has been building for a long time. When you take away people's autonomy, when you, get, when you don't give them discretion, they become robots and robots are not engaged. And people who are not engaged are not paying attention. And guess what happens when you don't pay attention? You get complacent, right? So complacency can come from the top down, in terms of senior management and leaders not seeing things and getting comfortable, complacency can also come from the bottom up. If you don't give people at the front line the ability to have autonomy and make decisions, they turn their their senses off. And when they turn their senses off, guess who doesn't get the view of what's really happening? The people at the top, because the people at the bottom don't care. So purpose, accountability, and transparency, and autonomy. I love it. All of those are super important factors. And it does come back
0: to just basic principles of being a good, effective, impactful leader, right? Mm-hmm. I like how you mentioned earlier, You know, if it gets to the point where you just say, because I said so, you are complacent. You have reached, reached complacency as a leader. Um, okay. it, leadership is hard and it takes relationship building and maintenance. It, it, it requires you to create uh, mutual accountability and trust with all of your people. And it's way easier to just forego all of that effort and just say, because I said so, because I'm in charge, do what I say, and mm-hmm. use some sort of a fear-based tactic, right? Yeah, um, which works that, but, for a little while, but not yeah, but it's it's not sustainable. You might get people to comply in the short term, yeah. but in the long term, they're they're either gonna leave or they're gonna mentally disconnect or like there's all these other problems that emerge from that so Mm -hmm. it's a super common problem i think even the best leaders from time to time fall victim to that tendency uh, but we just need to recognize it see it in ourselves and like you said if we're debriefing if we're self-reflecting having those conversations with our team that stuff will come up so it doesn't need to be a blind spot like we can be aware of it and then we can make adjustments as we go well, mm-hmm. Len, it, it has been a real pleasure. I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go here in a few minutes, but yeah. before we go, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word
1: on the topic for today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can get in contact with me on LinkedIn just look me up Len Hurstein. I love connecting with people there. I don't sell anybody anything on LinkedIn. So don't worry about that. Uh, you can come to my website, Len L-E-N-H-E-R-S-T-E-I-N L-E-N-H-E-R-S-T-E-I-N.com. All the information about me and the book is called Be Vigilant, strategies to stop complacency, improve performance and safeguard success. You can get all the information on my website there, or you can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Apple Books wherever you buy books. Um, So those are definitely uh, the ways to reach out LinkedIn or my website. Wonderful. Thank you, Len. It has been a real
0: pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Len can do for you. Check out his book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.